Good morning and welcome this morning. We're delighted that you are here. Thankful that you have joined us on this first Sunday in December where we start a series that we are calling The Colors of Christmas. And we're going to look this morning at the color blue. If you will notice, the packages all under the tree are wrapped in blue. And there's a reason for that. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But before we start there, I've got a couple of things that I think are pertinent for us to talk about for just a minute. First of all, I want to give our thanks as a congregation to all those who have worked to kind of make this space everything that it needs to be for the holidays. This is a lovely space for lots of different reasons. But in the holiday season, it just seems to lend itself very well to that. Don't you agree? And so for Jake and Rebecca, for Brittany and Jarrett, for Mike Cox, for all who worked to do our decorations this year, can we give them a moment of thanks and just be grateful for that? The next thing that I think is important, on the end of the pew, you will find a baggie. And you're probably wondering, why is there a baggie on the end of the pew with colored pencils, with all kind of um, uh, paper that's in there? For the last, really, four or five months, we've been working on the Rainbow Days Christmas Project. Every year for the last two years, we have... um, worked together with an organization called Rainbow Days to provide 600 Christmas stockings to homeless children and teens. This Wednesday night, we will assemble those stockings. It'll be at 6.30. That announcement has been made. We would encourage you to come to Grace Cafe, stay through the 6.30 time, and we're going to start right then putting those stockings together. That's a marvelous event. But we thought we might ask you to participate in a further way. If you would, would you take one of those colored pencils, one of those sheets of paper, and would you write something that would be an encouragement to one of these children? Jesus loves you, this I know. Or the church is thinking about you, or we're praying for you at Christmas time, or maybe just the word peace. Whatever comes to your mind, we invite you to do that. We're going to put those in the stockings. After you've written it, if you'll put it back in this baggie, that will help us collect everything and make it kind of work for us. But it's an opportunity for all of us to be involved in this moment. So we encourage you to do that. We're going to talk about Blue Christmas this morning. And so I want to start, and I'm not doing Elvis, for those of you who wonder. My wife said, are you putting on your um, your white jumpsuit and going back to your days? Most of you don't know, when I was 16 years old, I was in a production at the Opry, what was known as Opryland at that time. Opryland was in Nashville. They did live music every summer. They did a thing called the Seasons of Country Music, and I played young Elvis at 16. I have never lived that down the entirety of my life. But we're not going to talk about Blue Christmas in that terminology. But I would say to you, and I would say to all of us, December is a magnifier of our lives. Would you agree with that? In December, if life is going good for you and life is wonderful, you're financially in good shape, this time of year doesn't stress you as much. If your families 
are healthy and well, your marriage is good, your children are doing well, your whole family system is working like it needs to work, at this time of year, you look at it and you are blessed. It magnifies those moments for you. But if life isn't going as well, if financially you may not be in a good space, and the expectations of the season cause you to want to do things where you will go into debt in order to provide for kids and do those kind of things? If you find yourself with a family situation that is not healthy, Vince Vaughn in the movie Four Christmases, I love holiday movies. That one is not one of my favorites, but there was a line in it that I loved more than the rest of them. And the line simply said, you cannot spell families without lies. And there's truth in that. Because we will sometimes take our family situation, romanticize it, try to make it something that it's not, and not deal with it in its reality. Christmas, December, this time of year, for all of us, is a magnifier of everything that's good and everything that's not so good. There are some things to feel blue about this Christmas. I couldn't help but watch with horror at the events in San Bernardino. You as well? I mean, we look at that. 14 people killed, 17 people injured in a senseless and, and, and the reasons are multiple, and we don't know all of the reasons yet. We don't understand all of those things yet. But the truth of the matter is, it's, it's a horrible situation, a difficult time. I think about healthcare professionals at this time of year and the struggles that they have. But I also think that this is the time of year that we have people that turn tough situations into situations of blessings. I want to show you a uh, picture that comes from the Christmas parade yesterday. For those of you that don't recognize her, that's Chris. She's dressed up as a clown because she was a clown for the second year at the Children's Medical Christmas Parade. And what they get to do every year, Children's Medical Center, to kind of bring, they sponsor that parade. They sponsor it really to put some focus on the fact that there are sick kids that need things and we need to be aware of some of those needs that are there. She takes care of kids on the renal floor, kids that have had kidney transplants, kids that have other kind of issues that are there. At this time of year, seeing sick children isn't a great thing, but they turn that moment into something positive, using it to bring attention, using it to allow others to understand there are things that we can do. I just want to say, can we be honest and say that Christmas is sometimes blue for some of us? But I want you to understand it was that way from the beginning. Now, this is your typical Hallmark kind of Christmas card manger scene. Do we have that? There you go. I want you to look at that scene that's very familiar to us. It's peaceful, right? You see it. You've got Joseph. You've got Mary. You've got the cattle. You've got the baby Jesus. You've got the little bit of light that comes from the background. Just putting the, the perspective that's there. It looks 
like a wonderful scene. Have we thought about what was really going on? It's a poor couple. They're having a baby out of wedlock. They've traveled to a foreign town 80 miles on foot to be in a barn with nobody they know except a few shepherds and strangers and animals that are there. This is not necessarily a scene of beauty. They're in the middle of a biohazard. It's not a great place to be. I want you to hear the words of Luke. Luke 1, verses 26 through 29. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now look at what Mary says in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this was going to be. Have you ever thought about why Mary was greatly troubled at the words of the angel? See, the fact of the, Mary, the, fact of the matter is, she was about to experience her first blue Christmas. Because it wasn't idyllic. It wasn't everything that we tend to make it be in this season of the year. We talk about joy to the world. Here's an idea of what joy to the world looks like for some of us. Don't you love that? The perfect Christmas card picture, right? Everybody trying to get it all done and make it work like it's supposed to work. It's not that joy is in the world. It is joy has interjected itself to the world through the person of Jesus Christ. It is Isaiah who years ago made this prophecy about what this was all going to be about when he says, There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee by the nations, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. I want you to hear how he starts that scripture. There will be no more gloom. For those who are in distress. See, Christmas has its blue moments. But the fact of the matter is, the light has come into the world. Our blue Christmas gets to be transformed because of what Jesus has done and continues to do in each and every life that is there. You remember these words from Isaiah 9? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Christmas is not a delusion about a reality that doesn't exist. Christmas is about the hope that comes in the midst of our reality. So Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 6, which is a very 
familiar passage of Scripture to us says the Son of God is going to come into the world and He is going to be four things for us. How do you, how do you take what is blue in our life, what is difficult in our life, how do you deal with those things? How does Christmas address those issues? It addresses it in four different ways. The Son of God has come to be our wonderful Counselor. Aren't you glad that there are people in your life that you can go to that give you perspective? That actually help you see things that are beyond yourself, that help you understand what it looks like. And that's what God has come to do in the person of Jesus. Jesus is that wonderful counselor. And I have to tell you, I spend a lot of my time counseling. And I try to do the things that good counselors do. Be empathetic. Understand the circumstance. Jump into the situation. Figure out what is going on. I will also tell you that sometimes my counseling gets a little direct. And sometimes my counseling looks like this. I want you to take a look at this for a minute. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C- come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Still uh, being a very delighted about Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I... Um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're there. Stop it! 
sorry. Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds <coughs> frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop it. So, I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't I don't make change. Then I I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? Ah. <clears throat> uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! Not of some kind. Don't don't do that. But I'm I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. Fatty. No 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 no. We we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say. We definitely don't go there. Just just stop it. What 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 else? <clears throat> Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the 10 words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. Okay. I promise if you come to see me, I will not tell you stop it or I will bury you alive in a box. But I think sometimes we think of our wonderful counselor and we want him just to fix our circumstance as opposed to listen to what he says. 
33 years Jesus came in the form of a man. 33 years he experienced everything that we experience. And for 33 years, he speaks and he tells us things that will help us gain the perspective that we need. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Isn't that what we want? We want a counselor who is willing to enter into our circumstances and suffering. And the thing that we also, if we look at this wonderful counselor, we have to be willing to do is listen to what he says and turn loose of some of it. Isaiah says he's a wonderful counselor. Isaiah says he's the mighty God. I want you to hear these words from Matthew's gospel. Matthew 1, verses 20 through 23. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place... To fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I can't help but think about this scene and think about the the scene from the, the Will Ferrell movie, Talladega Nights, where they're all sitting around at the dinner table and they're about to pray to Jesus. And Will Ferrell's character said, oh... I love the six-pound, eight-ounce, wrapped in a gold diaper baby Jesus. That's the Jesus that I love, and that's the Jesus that I want to pray to. And, you know, there is a romanticism that comes with that. And at this time of year, there is something that we really love about thinking about the fact that Emmanuel, God came near, and he came in the form of a baby. But, folks, the baby grew up. And that baby became the son of God who cast out demons, healed the sick, raised the dead, who interjected himself into life circumstance and life situations, who became the mighty God who wants to jump in the middle of our circumstance. And Paul tells us how he wants to do it. Philippians 4 verse 6. Remember these words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The most foundational principle for getting help in your blue Christmas moments is to turn your worries into prayers. See, our worries are this inner dialogue with ourselves that says, what am I going to do about this? Our prayer is an inner dialogue with God that says, you do with this whatever you deem best. 
Are we willing to let God have that kind of control in our life in trying instead of trying to fix our own stuff that we actually sit there and say, you are the mighty God. You are the one who has created me, who knows me, who loves me, who wants the best for me. You have the ability to take in my life those things I can't control. And those things I don't know what to do anything about. And you take it and you do with it whatever you deem best. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's also the everlasting father. Our everlasting Father takes our life circumstance. Our everlasting Father wants what's best for us and will provide what is absolutely necessary for us. Our everlasting Father is concerned about the welfare of His children. I thought about how to illustrate this, and I thought about an old story I heard years ago about a father who had a son that he just was so enamored with and loved so dearly. The father had made a fortune in real estate. He had great holdings, and he decided to invest that fortune in wonderful pieces of art. In his personal collection, he had pieces from Monet, Van Gogh. He had even pieces from Picasso. And he trained his son to be a world-class art collector as well. And they did it together, and they enjoyed those moments. But the country entered into war. And the son volunteered for the army and he went into battle. And the father would fret about what was going to happen with his son. And he got the word. Soldier came to his door, knocked on it, came in and said, Your son was killed, but your son died a hero. He died carrying a man across the battlefield to the medic so that he could get treatment. The man survived, but your son lost his life. All of the joy in the father's life left at that moment. All of the things that he cared about, he cared nothing about anymore. His life became empty until one Christmas morning, there was a knock on his door. And when he opened the door, there was a young man in full military uniform standing there. And he said, I am the man your son saved. And I want to let you know what he means to me. And he proceeded to talk about the relationship he had had with his son and how profound the son had affected this man. And he said, I'm not an artist in the sense of a great artist, but I did, I am an artist and I wanted you to have this. And he pulls out this package and it's a portrait of the man's son. And it was quite good. And the man took that portrait and he put it on his mantle so he could look at it. And the joy returned to his home because he recognized and realized that his son's life had mattered for something, that his son lived a significant life and invested it well in the lives of other people. And he was blessed by that moment. And the rest of his days, he lived in peace and he lived in joy and he passed away. An auction house, because there were no heirs, were going to handle the affairs. There were lots of pieces to be auctioned off. They did it at the man's house. And the auctioneer said, I have specific instructions. I have been instructed to auction this piece off first. It was the portrait 
of the man's son. And the art dealers in the back of the room are saying, that's worthless. What are we supposed to do with something like that? The, the auctioneer said, it is my protocol. It's what I must do. And so one guy says, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. The next door neighbor who had known the young man said, no, I'll give you $500 for that piece because it means something to me. He was a good boy. And the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold. The art dealers in the room are ready for the real bidding to begin when the auctioneer stood up and said, the auction is closed. And they said, what do you mean the auction is closed? He said, my instructions are explicit. Whoever gets the son gets everything else. I want you to think about that. Our everlasting father has said, I have provided every good and perfect gift. But it starts by taking the son. He is a wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father who provides everything that we need. But the son of God is also the prince of peace. Peace here is not the absence of conflict. It's not about not having sharp contentious words from time to time. Peace here is the Jewish idea of shalom, which means wholeness, completeness. That the Son of God has come into the world so that we might be whole, that we might be complete, that we might be everything God has ever called us to be. That our life might be significant because the Son of God has entered into it. Remember the words out of Luke 2, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can't you use a little peace in life? Recent survey says, The anxiety level for 76% of Americans between Thanksgiving and Christmas increases to the point that they do not sleep well. I want you to think about that. Why is it that we get so consumed with the things of this time of year, with the stresses of life, because December is the magnifier of everything that's good and everything that's bad, and yet... The Son has come to bring peace into our world. Jesus said it simply. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, Luke, or excuse me, John 16, 33. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But be of good courage. Be of good cheer. Because I have overcome come the world. The world is always going to tick along in a way that has conflict difficulty, but I have come that you might have wholeness of life, that you might have the peace that only I can provide you. 
It is one of those things that helps us to remember that Satan is defeated, that darkness is enlightened, and the light of the world, the hope of the world has stepped into our life. And he's come. And so if you're in the midst of worried about whether or not it's going to be a blue Christmas or not, I'm going to invite you to hang out with Jesus for a second. There was a church that put a nativity scene out on its front lawn, and there was a little abandoned dog who was there, and this was the picture that was taken. Take a look at this. So if there's something I can say to you today, I'm going to invite you to curl up with Jesus today. Right in the middle of this crazy time of year. Curl up with Jesus. Find yourself there. And understand that this Jesus has come to provide perspective as your wonderful counselor. To interject himself completely into your life as you present your request in prayer to him as the mighty God. Who is this everlasting father who takes care of every need. And he started it by providing the light of the world. And the prince of peace steps right into the middle of a chaotic, stressful Time And he says, let me bring you the wholeness that you need. It happened in a flash. Jesus comes into the world, not in a flash of light or as a mighty carpenter, but he comes heaven's greatest treasure placed inside a human womb. And the first hands that held him were unmanicured peasant hands, right in the middle of a biohazard, right in the middle of a life circumstance in the world that was difficult and that was hard. And it was at that moment that God decided to come near. It was at that moment that we began to think of Jesus in different terms. And sometimes to think of him in human terms, we almost look at as irreverent. But I would invite you not to keep him distant by making him too divine. Let him draw near into your world. Because after all, that's what Emmanuel means. God's with us. This morning, there are two that are coming to put on this Jesus in baptism. To confess him as Savior to repent of their sins, to be baptized into Him, so that through that symbol of baptism, there is the death, the burial, and the resurrection, that this Jesus really is significant. And if there are others who want to do that, we encourage you to come and join these two. But for lots of us, as elders and elder couples gather around the room, as we pray and spend time really reflecting maybe what we need to do, is figure out in the middle of this holiday season, how can I be like the little abandoned dog and curl up with Jesus and not let myself get too wound up but stay right where I need to stay? Whatever your need, come as we stand and sing.